la 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 Latoya. Ah 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 Latoya. Ha ha what's her name? It's Latoya. Ow. Welcome guys to the Analog Girl Podcast. This is your podcast for your 30-somethings and your 40-somethings. And we're on a quest, y'all. We're on a quest to get our analog lives in this digital-driven world. I am your host for the Analog Girl Podcast. My name is LaToya D or Toya D or Toya, whichever one you want to call me. Um, welcome and thank you for listening to the show. If this is your first time here, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, when you're done with this episode and only when you're done, y'all should just go back and listen to those other episodes. Analog Girl is an ever-growing and evolving podcast. I start, I'm starting from the bottom. I'm a little higher up from the bottom, but I'm still making it to the top, y'all. So go back in. You can just join me on my journey of mental health, uh, depression, PTSD, and depersonalization. And uh, just join the journey and have some fun and let's talk about it. If this is not your first time, thank you so much for sticking with your girl. Y'all are out here being consistent with me and um, I appreciate it. I really do appreciate it. I appreciate the messages that I get. I appreciate the encouragement that you guys send me. Thank you so much. So in other news, I think, let's see. Oh, guys, please. I always tell you guys, please sign up for my email list today, 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 because next week is a whole lot of stuff dropping. Next week, everything is, things are changing next week, y'all. So I need y'all to get on this email list today, like ASAP. If you're watching this, to, if you're listening to this, watching this, what? This ain't YouTube. If you're listening to this, Right now, please, as you're doing this, go to analoggirlpodcast.com. Just give your name and your email address. I will not spam you. I promise you. I will not spam you. You will just get one little email, little notification about what's going down in the future of the Analog Girl podcast and the future of the Analog Girl. So please, analoggirlpodcast.com. Sign up for the email list there. I'd appreciate it. If you are um, listening on iTunes, please, guys, if you can go and subscribe, rate, comment, I'd really appreciate it. It helps your girl out. If you're on Google Play or Stitcher, do the same there. You can subscribe. You can leave a comment, a nice little note. It will help me. It will help me go a long way here. I really appreciate it. And if you've done so already, thank you guys. I'm seeing, I've seen the messages and I've seen the ratings on iTunes. I can't really, I don't know how to get on Google Play and see if there's any ratings. Probably ain't none, but (laughs) um, I don't know how to look and see um, on there if anyone has. But if you have posted some nice words or have subscribed, thank you so much, guys. Alrighty, so let's just get into the check-in. Okay, anxiety check-in for me. Well, actually, first, guys, I hope your anxiety levels are low to non-existent. And if they aren't, let's do a quick breathing exercise in through the nose. And hold it. And you can breathe it out through the mouth. Exhale. One more time in through the nose. And hold it. And then breathe all of that negativity out. 
all that stress. And sometimes when you're letting go of your breaths, I always tell you guys, you can do a, ah, that thing, it really gets me. It's like, it, it makes me feel so calm on the inside. So letting, do an audible no, noise or a sigh when you're exhaling, it really helps to release that energy throughout your body and to get your blood circulating and do that as many times as you need to. You can do it even while you're listening to me. So, um, yeah, let's go. What are we talking about today for my anxiety check-in? Well, um, your girl, I, your girl's been feeling, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, I need some water or something. <clears throat> your girl has been feeling disassociated, uh, not disassociated AF, but I have been feeling a bit disassociated. Um, uh, the, the, the personalization, um, symptoms have been a little heightened for me. And, um, I told y'all it's like a PMS thing, but I feel like the PMS thing happens two weeks prior. So it's like, I only get like a nice little comfortable break in the month for like a week, week and a half, which is strange. But anyway, um, yeah, so I've been feeling a little, um, off, a little disassociated. Um, um, and what I mean by disassociation is, um, for those of you who don't know, um, it's like feeling, it's like your anxiety levels are so high that um, sometimes there's an out-of-body experience that you're having. Some people have it when they have panic attacks um, and they kind it's kind of like your body is out, like you've stepped outside of your body and you're watching things um, like you're watching things on a movie screen. Sometimes that happens to me. Um, this particular disassociation I feel is more um, existential um, and me uh, thinking like, um, what is life? And, you know, just always questioning humanity and questioning my existence um, and just the whole overall outlook of life. Like things just seem weird sometimes. So I get this weird feeling like, how did I get here? What is this? And looking at my hands and sometimes my hands um, don't look familiar to me. And I know it sounds crazy y'all, but I'm sure there's people out here who might have gone through this or, or is going through this. Listen, y'all are not crazy. It happens to me all the time. I've learned how to cope with it and deal, um, and not panic when these things happen anymore. Because before I think that's what was really sending me over the edge was I was, um, panicking because I didn't know what the fuck was going on. So, um, this week I definitely, I, I realized what was going on. Oh, and also like the base of my neck has been really tight. And that's one thing I can, I'll know, like when my, the base of my neck gets really, really tight, the muscle, I know that I'm dealing with some high anxiety and I might start disassociating a little bit with that. Um, so when I notice that it's like, I go to the gym a lot more. So this week, yeah, I definitely been in a gym um, and working out and I'll sit in the sauna and stretch my neck and stretch my body and just do some deep breathing in the sauna. So that's been giving me some relief, um, with that. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty, that's been pretty much my experience with the physical, um, ailments or whatever you want to call it, um, with anxiety. And, um, but I still have been, going out. I've still been having my nice little social life and, you know, um, hanging out with friends. I actually went out for the first time in a while, um, with a friend of mine for his birthday, um, which was interesting because I still get those infamous, um, 
So what made you go bald questions, which I cannot stand. And this young man had the nerve and the gall to ask me, um, why not just do like a low cut? Like, what is it about people that if I'm making like what? So what is my bald head making you so uncomfortable that you would come up to me and ask me a stranger that you ain't never met before in your life to change the way she's balding her head to appease you? Like, I don't understand what's what are people's concepts out here in these streets like what does it get what does it matter to you what the fuck I do with my head you know what I mean and I it was that was one of the things um this week that I had to like really start to think about and pray on was wondering why is it that God is always sending people in my path that try to change who the fuck I am like you don't even know me from a hole in the wall and you're coming up to me asking me why not change the way I'm doing my head bald for who and that's what I asked him so how who I'm gonna do it for for you I don't even know you why would I do that he didn't even know what to even say to me y'all it was the most foolish thing and then come to find out he walk out he when he walks out the bar he got knock knees and for all of y'all who know me know that I was like oh the devil is a liar because I can't take a knock knee I cannot take a knock knee and the fact that he had knock knees and was about five foot six talking about what I'm doing with my bald head really drained my life and it almost sent my anxiety levels through the roof but you know your girl calmed herself down and I I wasn't mean to him you know because at the end of the day by the end of the night all of a sudden he wanted to be my friend and be and be all in my face but I wasn't even body and I didn't have time for that so anyway that was a part of my week but this week guys um today actually um I saw that in other news, we, uh, the Democrats uh, are in this, I guess we got control of the house. So I think that's a good thing. I'm not sure. I feel like everything else that I watched, though, the Republicans are still uh, pretty much ruling the world. But we, um, the Democrats do have control of the house in January, which is an exciting thing. Uh, Hopefully we'll see some um, firm nose to our dumbass president, to um, his dumbass requests. Um, and also it's like kudos and like gold stars for Marcus, for the people who stood online um, and waited for hours to vote yesterday because, you know, the way my anxiety set up, I don't think that I would have sat and waited to vote. I just would have had to give up on life at that point and just hope that uh, and pray that the people who were able to vote was voting in the best in my best interest. So it was interesting to see people waiting online for hours and hours. Don't know that I would have done the same thing. Just don't know. Um, so yeah, I think that's about it for anxiety check. Oh, you know what, guys? Last week I had talked about Cardi B and Nicki Minaj and how they was working my nerves. You know what I mean? Um, and this week, <clears throat> y'all, Fifty Cent is getting on my entire last nerve. 50 Cent and Ja Rule, like these are, this is another group of feuders uh, who who pay their own bills. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I haven't even paid on not one student loan yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm still trying to figure out like where this lump sum of money is going to come so I can pay on these student loans for these stupid degrees that I have that I'm not even using. Um, and wishing that I just did a trade or some shit. So I'm looking at 50 Cent like, so how long is this going to go for? And this man said he's going to eternally beef with Ja Rule. And I just really wish 
that all of these people, all of these unhappy millionaires, all of these unhappy, I'm on my way to being billionaire people would just go somewhere and sit the fuck down. Like honestly, sit down and and just stay off of social media because it's the most annoying, insulting um, thing for us to have to constantly keep watching these fools um, do foolish, childish things and then go home and pay their bills on time because I'm over here looking at late bills. So anyway, guys, I think that was just a whole lot of brain farting on my anxiety check-in. Um, but that, that's, that's, what's been on my mind and that's, that's been my anxiety levels for the week. Okay. So in today's tales from the anxiety zone, I am super hype to share this woman with you guys. Um, she is my personal therapist and I came across, her name is Dr. Melanie Stiles and I came across Dr. Mel, um, when I went to a, um, it was a mental health workshop that the church was having and, um, it was up in Porchester and I was like, you know what, I'm going to go. Cause it was during the time where I was feeling extremely disassociated and have, and the depersonalization was like rampant. And I just had no clue how I was just, how I was, how I was going to heal. And, um, I was like, you know what, this is the last resort. I'm going to go to this this service. I'm going to go to this workshop. So I went to the workshop and unbeknownst to me, um, it was saving grace y'all. So Dr. Mel was there. She, um, did a whole workshop on mental health and the myths, the myths in the church and mental health. Um, and, um, how we should be dealing with mental health and how, um, you know, the spirit versus the body versus the soul. And it was just so good. So I took it upon myself when I found out that she was a therapist, I was like, I need this lady to be my therapist. So I reached out to her and, um, contacted her and was like, listen, your girl is going through. I need to sit up on your couch. What's really good. So, um, thankfully she, um, was open. She had, she had time and she took me on and it has been great ever since. I have made a lot of progress in a short span of time with her. She is an amazing preacher too, as well. I just watched a clip of her, not a clip. They, somebody streamed her whole preaching, um, her preaching on Saturday and it was amazing y'all. Um, I just think she's a powerful woman of God. So thus I'm not cursing. I, I did not curse one time speaking with her. So y'all need to be patting me on the back. I, I showed some restraint, um, because I just don't want to be doing that (laughs) with with her. I just don't feel like it was appropriate. So I am not cursing y'all. I am behaved, you know, no thought button or nothing like that in this interview. But this interview is one of the uh, best interviews I've done so far because it touches on grief. It touches on the stages of grief. It also touches on the myths of mental health in the black community, in the church, in in the society in general. And I think that you guys would uh, benefit from listening to this, especially those who are going through loss and grief. And loss does not always have to be someone dying. Um, 
It could be loss of job, loss of car. It could be loss of a friendship. The person didn't die, but the friendship died. You know, it could be things like that, that you're going through. Um, and she just breaks it down and how important it is for us to process grief in order to heal. Um, and it was just especially touching for me, um, dealing with the loss that I've dealt with this year of loss of jobs, loss of self, and also loss of a close friend of mine suddenly after having one of the best times of our lives together. So um, I hope you guys enjoy. Again, her name is Dr. Melanie Stiles. Um, all her info in this is will be in the description box um, if you'd like to get in contact with her. And uh, stick it out and check it all the way out to the end, y'all. Toya D, who was living a life of complete and utter trash, y'all, spending money frivolously on clothes, food, and bottles of wine that could be finished in one setting alone, ghosting Sally Mae and never paying a bill, y'all, going back and forth in relationships that were called situationships, a what? Going from one dead-end job to another, struggling with racial and social anxieties in the workplace, nature finally took its course. On March 1st, Toya D woke up in an apparent dream world to which she calls the urban matrix and was left to figure out the true meaning of life and human existence. Join the journey on the quest to live fabulously, shamelessly, bold, and fearless and confident with mental health in the anxiety zone. Hi, Dr. Mel, and welcome to the Analog Girl podcast. I'm so happy that you um, accepted my invitation to come on the show. Um, and for those of you listening, Dr. Mel is my personal therapist, um, and I think she's amazing. And I wanted her to come on to the Analog Girl show or the Analog Girl podcast today to talk about grief and loss and the types of griefs and loss that we can go through um, and how... Uh, to get through them as best as possible. So thanks so much for coming on. You are certainly welcome. It is an honor and a privilege to uh, share with you and your audience. Um, and uh, I believe that this is um, a major topic. And so I'm so glad that you are addressing it and um, hopefully it will help someone. Yes, for sure. Um, okay, so I guess we, we can just get right into maybe a little bit about your background um, and becoming a therapist and the reason why you wanted to become a therapist. Sure. Um, well, I have a pretty extensive <laughs> history with that. Uh, during my childhood, I was labeled as Mama Mel mm. because I uh, would solve everybody's problems. And um, as I grew up, um, at age 16 years old, I had a sweet 16 birthday party and I invited 25 people, 150 came. <laughs> and it turned into uh, talking with Melanie at her sweet 16. Everybody came to me with all kinds of problems. So it started in my childhood. Um, I have always had a passion for people uh, to help people, um, even in the midst of things that I was going through and I was facing, my heart um, was always geared toward other people. So after high school, I took my journey right um, at Hudson Valley Community College in upstate New York, and I obtained my associate's degree in liberal arts and then kind of fine-tuned it. Um, and I obtained my bachelor's degree 
and then my master's degree, all in um, therapy, counseling. My master's degree is in community counseling. I'm licensed as a licensed mental health counselor in the state of New York. And just recently, about two years ago, 2016, I obtained my doctorate's degree in educational psychology with a concentration in pastoral counseling. Okay, so that is safe. It's safe to say that you are officially equipped to help with what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> like you have paid your dues, and I'm yeah. sure you got the school loans to prove it. Exactly. <laughs> So you definitely can help us out um, with what we want to talk about today. Um, So as far as grief um, and overcoming grief, do you feel like you've had some personal experiences with that? Because I always like to, uh, on the podcast, I like to bridge the gap between the therapist or the life coach and um, the person who's actually going through things. Because I think sometimes... um, more relatable um, experiences or someone who's gone through something similar is a lot more um, healing sometimes than someone who's telling you what you got to do and you got to do it, but they haven't personally um, maybe gone through that situation. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Sure. I have been um, through lots of grief and loss in my personal life. I often share during my workshops, um, the Breaking Free Tour, I share some of my experiences because I believe that people become more open when you're related and you can identify with whatever topic um, is being discussed. So yes, I've gone through many losses um, in my life. Um, Back in 2000, I lost my uh, father. Mm-hmm. And I was the one, um, my mom and I, who found him in the bed. We were home, and she told me, come look at your dad. I went back in the bedroom, and sure enough, uh, he was not breathing. I did CPR on him um, to no success. I was not able to revive him. And so he passed away, and that was very difficult, uh, very, very difficult for me. Um, in 1999, I lost my spiritual father and my aunt on the same day. Wow. So that was huge for me, um, just in terms of the emotional, um, strain to lose two very dear people in one day, um, was very difficult. So I've had um, my share of um, death losses and also, um, which I'm sure we'll share later, uh, grief and loss extends far beyond just um, the loss uh, through death and dying. Yeah. And so we can just segue right in there into that. Um, What are the types of loss um, and grief that one could uh, experience? Well, I mean, there, of course, when we think about loss, our first, um, as humans, our first, um, you know, go-to is the death of someone. But during my um, educational uh, and academic research, during uh, meeting with different people, I found that loss extends itself um, far beyond 
uh, death and dying. And some of the examples of losses that people um, deal with are, for instance, job losses. Mm -hmm. um, there are people who suffer from um, kind of natural disasters, hurricanes, fires. Um, and I know a lot of people are are experiencing more recently some of the hurricanes that have come through. Um, I believe it was Florida and through the Carolinas. So loss of pets, um, loss of home, um, loss of, um, you know, material things that were, were very meaningful. People, there is grief and loss surrounded around um, car accidents where people lose limbs. Yeah. Um, there are grief and loss symptoms around being diagnosed with medical issues. You know, you could be living healthy in your 20s and 30s and then be diagnosed um, with terminal illnesses or diabetes. And, you know, for people, it's a sense of loss because I can't do what I used to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so um, loss, again, extends... Um, beyond just the death of someone, um, loss of friendships, mm -hmm. um, loss of um, marriages when people go through separation, divorce. Yeah, yeah. Um, people experience a, a lot of different levels and faces of loss. And if we kind of take it into the spiritual world, um, pastors could grieve losing their church. Mm-hmm. Um, their church members. And so, um, and even I was just talking with someone, I believe it was last week, another level of loss is with um, animals. Um, people are very close to their animals. Yeah. But when they are um, missing or when they have to be put down, that's another level of, um, or stage of grief and loss as well. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely like had to um, um, evaluate that I've experienced a lot of loss and especially with um, going through therapy, um, realizing that like even down to my edges, girl, I feel like that was a form of loss, like me losing my edges. Was, like it's like something so minor, but little things like that is still a form of loss and you might have some kind of traumatic experience behind it because I think I did so mm -hmm. um yeah it's it just it, it's I didn't realize that there was so many other forms of it until recently um not looking at it as loss or grief um so I think that that is an eye-opener for me and I hope for a lot of other people to realize so that they can start moving forward and living a little I guess a happier life um do you um, think that, um, well, I know that there are stages of grief um, and I don't know them all. So I think, we, I mean, we don't have to go through all of them, but as far as the, I guess the main, the, the main stages of grief that people go through, because I'm not sure if everybody goes through all the stages at once or what happens, like, you know, if, if or if they might go through one stage and never go through the last stage, like, is, um, is that even a thing? <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, you raise a very important point when you talk about grief and loss. Um, research um, has identified the stages of grief and loss. There are some research where there are five stages and other research 
<coughs> excuse me, um, there are seven stages. Um, but I think, and I'll just share very uh, quickly, and then I'll focus in on a couple of them. Um, but the most repeated in research stages of grief and loss are number one, denial. Mm. Number two, anger. Number three, bargaining. Number four, depression. Mm -hmm. And number five, acceptance. And so um, just to reflect back on, your, on, on what you said, some people go through all of the stages. Some people skip stages. So there's no correct order when you talk about stages of grief and loss. Um, some stages are prolonged more than others um, due to the significance or the depth of that loss. Um, and here's where I, I think I want to kind of zero in on the stage of anger. Um, I think that's a very important stage to identify when it comes to any face uh, of grief and loss because as humans, I always tell people that anger is not a wrong emotion. Okay. One, it is an emotion. It's a very real emotion, but it's not a wrong emotion. And it's definitely not wrong to feel anger due to the loss or the grief of something or someone <clears throat> that was meaningful mm -hmm. uh, in, in your life. I often tell people that anger is not wrong. It's how you cope with the anger. Yeah. And so it's, it's very um, important for people to understand and what I feel, identifying what you feel, and then how to cope with it. Um, and in grief and loss, anger is a very real uh, stage. And I'll venture out to say this, it's a necessary stage mm. in the healing process for people to be able to um, experience and identify uh, anger. Another huge one is acceptance, being able to accept um, that this trauma, this loss affected me. Yeah. And I, I think in the acceptance stage, it takes um, people a little bit to get there because as humans, we are used to masking and we're, we're used to ignoring how we feel and how things have made us think, feel, and behave. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that the, the stages of anger and acceptance are very important to identify and to pay attention to in the healing process. Um, again, because for humans, it's easy for us to put up those walls um, to um, escape yeah. from from anger and from acceptance. However, they're very vital in the healing process. Yeah. So what, what is, um, how long is too long though to stay in a stage? Like, okay. is there uh, like, you know, some people might be stuck in a stage for years, you know, mm -hmm. or I, you know, I could very well say that I've been angry for many years and not really known it. Um, 
So how long is too long to stay in a stage when, and, and then start assessing like, okay, I've got to get some sort of kind of help here because I'm not progressing um, when it comes to this. Well, I think to be able to recognize when, how you are feeling affects different areas in your life. So when you're going through the stages of grief and loss, uh, well, let me kind of backtrack a little bit. I always tell my patients, never put a time frame on grief and loss. Oh, I should be healed by now. Or, you know, I, should, I shouldn't be crying anymore. Because again, everybody reacts different to the stages of grief and loss. And for, for person A, it could be five months. For person B, it could be five years. Neither one of them are wrong. Mm -hmm. It's about being able to identify, well, you know what? I, I'm feeling this great sense of loss and this pain and this hurt. And it, it feels like it's starting to affect different areas of my life, my relationship with others my finances, my job, um, my sleep patterns. And that's when I tell people, if you're starting to feel and can be honest with yourself and you're starting to feel like this is going a little bit deeper into just, you know, the grief and loss, it's affecting other areas. That's when some red flags should start to come up and say, well, hey, I got to talk to someone about how I'm feeling so that I can cope with it better. Yeah. Does that make, you know what I mean? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then as, I mean, do you think that um, some people, do you always need a professional professional help to get through these stages? Like if someone experiences grief and loss, like it's, can there, is it a self-help thing? Is there a self-help way to get through this? I think it, I think it depends on the person. Mm-hmm. It depends on where that person is in their life. It depends on the history of what they have um, been through already. Mm -hmm. And it depends on their coping skills. There are some people who can cope with it, who need minimal to no help. And then there's others. And again, I think it goes back to identifying um, where I am and being open to getting the help that I need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, cause a lot of people, I don't think like I have a, um, a friend of mine who, um, does not feel that going to the therapy to therapy or doing the group, um, therapy would help. Um, and basically just like, I'm reading books, I'm in the scriptures, I'm doing this, I'm praying. <laughs> and I feel like this is going to get me through. And um, I'm not sure that I think that the deeper the, I mean, I could be wrong. You can and tell me I, if I am like the deeper the grief, like the more you would need some outside help to get through it. Right. No, I, I totally agree with that. Um, and again, it depends on the person's willingness to be able to, and I'm, and I'm not saying that self-help um, does not help, mm-hmm. but you have to know then when the self-help has extended all it can, but you're still not feeling different, mm-hmm. or 
you're, you're, you're feeling stuck, that's when you have to be open and honest and say, well, I may need additional help. Yeah. Yeah. So once you've now, we've just, we've assessed ourselves and found out we definitely do need help um, in this area. What are some of the ways um, we could overcome grief? Um, I guess with therapy or without therapy. Um, And does everybody really heal from this? Like 100%. Well, the number one, um, the number one tool when, when we talk about grief and loss, or we talk about, um, you know, traumatic experiences is that of coping. Mm-hmm. So how have you invested in yourself to learn different coping skills to get through um, the grief and loss? I always tell patients um, on a daily basis, and e- even if it's outside of grief and loss, it's very healthy to have appropriate and positive coping skills. Um, Journaling, having memorials, Mm. uh, talking within uh, support groups. When you say having memorials, are you speaking outside of like, what do you mean? Like if it's not a person and it's uh, say a loss of a certain life structure you had and it's you're now home every day. How would you have a, a memorial for something so taking, like that? So taking the positive memory, mm-hmm. right? Of let's say it, you're you lost your job and now you're home, right? Mm-hmm. Taking the positive memory of your ability um, to be creative, um, positive thoughts of I will get a job again. You know, and and creating a space inside of your heart, inside of your mind, that will allow you to foster strength and your belief system that things will get better. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It does. Now, do you think that um, healing is a process. I feel like I'm always going to be in recovery in my mind. I don't know. I could be wrong. But I just feel like I'm, as long as I'm here on this earth, it's going to be constantly, uh, um, I'm going to have to focus on recovery the entire, while while I'm here, really. I just don't see it any other way. But do you think that some people just, um, they, some people do heal 100% and can move on and it's like it never even happened? Or are we always, or is it normal that most people are just always going to have to deal with some sort of recovery methods and coping? I believe um, very strongly that healing is a continuous process. Mm. I believe that um, people who go through things in their life, um, my saying is every step out of the past is a step into the future. That doesn't mean I'm totally healed. Or what? Because I just, I don't believe. Now we can get better in situations um, and we can recover, but then also you have to have an effective support system and supports to keep you in that healing mode, mm-hmm. that healing process. 
And so I, I agree with you. I believe that healing is a total and continuous process that we have to, because if it's, if we're okay in one area, what if something else triggers us? Right. Right. What if something else, and the truth of the matter is life happens to all of us. Yep. And things happen to, to all of us. And so I look at healing as, as an embracing of whatever life throws at me. It's a continuous process of me getting better. Yeah. And that was my mistake, I think, in the beginning of the healing was that once I did get triggered, realizing, yeah, you're going to be triggered, girl. Like, things are going to trigger you. Like, I could be driving, somebody cut me off or something, and I am in full-on rage. <laughs> like, and then I'm like, I all the work I just did on the meditation this morning, like, just went out the window. But, you know... I think that like we just have to make sure that people people have to know and understand that this is it's always an ongoing thing and it doesn't necessarily mean that you failed or it doesn't mean that I failed at the meditation that I did early in the in the morning because I just cussed out somebody for crossing crossing my path um mm-hmm. But it's just easy sometimes to fall into, oh, God, I failed myself again um, because I've just gotten triggered, and now the healing process has to start from zero and I'm not sure that you always have to go all the way back to zero, you know, if you've been triggered um, during the process. So I do agree with that. Um, Grief and loss and going through that, would you think, do you, would you put that in this? I mean, I know it's about mental health and, well, it's not necessarily a mental illness, um, but it is treated like such as far as when you're going into therapy, um, I guess, it would be treated as such because of the symptoms of it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people, and that's my, my question, a lot of times, you know, people are just kind of shy away from hearing mental health, mental illness, because they just immediately go straight to psychiatric, crazy, crackhead in the street kind of stuff, right. you right. know? So would you say that um, grief and loss is a part of maybe mental illness and, and, or, and, and curing it? I believe that grief and loss uh, is a part of mental health or psychiatric symptoms because, again, it affects the part of us and our soul. It affects our mind and our emotions. And oftentimes for people, they experience uh, the serotonin levels um, where that part of the brain, that chemical in the brain is affected from minimal to or mild to severe. Um, And so grief and loss can certainly, um, again, affect someone psychologically, um, psychiatrically. And for some people, and I have seen throughout my years of work, it can be very debilitating. Mm Which I have learned because from my experience, and, I'm, and I know you know from me talking to you about the depersonalization, like that thing shut me down this year, <laughs> like shut me all the way down. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it, you don't even realize it's, it's because your, physic, your body is physically okay. It's just that something just ain't quite right with your brain, really. So, but mm-hmm. it's definitely debilitating. Um, so... I guess I I segue into um, some myths about mental health and mental illness um, to um, kind of, I guess, 
soothe some of the people out there who are going through this, who are afraid to say that there's a mental health issue because of the stigma behind it. So what are some of the, the myths um, that you think we could attack um, to break the stigma? I, I largely, you know, um, and this goes, you know, way back, um, mental illness is greatly frowned upon. I believe that society is getting better um, because people are becoming more open and being honest about suffering mm -hmm. from mental health, but largely myths have really confined and have um disabled people from getting the help that they need. Um, one of the huge myths, um, you know, mental health are, are only for people who are schizophrenic, mm -hmm. who um, hallucinate or um, who have substance abuse issues. Um, another huge myth that I, I found um, in research, a lot of um, myths are centered around people's culture. A lot of people's myths are centered around their religion. Yeah. Right? They don't want to be seen or labeled as, um, and I try to get away from this word, but this is the word um, used in the myth as being crazy. Mm -hmm. Right. So there are a lot of um, myths out there that have really um, confined people and have stopped the growth of, because we take these myths and these myths become now um, a thought pattern, and then the thought pattern becomes a behavior. Well, I don't wanna be called crazy, so I'm going to not go to my initial therapy intake. And so we build up these fears, we build up um, this belief system based off of these myths, which are not true. Mm -hmm. They are mm -hmm. not true. My belief is that everybody in life will need to talk to someone at some point in life. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, on the flip side, you know, I just, I, I love when you break it down as far as the myths in the church. And I would love for you to break it down for us a bit for the listeners, because there are some people that they just, you know, there's some people who just think that, oh, it's just a spiritual thing. I had someone just tell me that anxiety, I guess, was a spirit. So I, I, I was like, I'm really not sure. <laughs> like, you know, I, I'm, I don't know if that's a spirit. You know, I don't know if that's a spirit. It's just that I'm stressed out. So, um, you know, I just would love you to break it down as far as the myths that we have in the church, because I just think we're just some jaded uh, church folks sometime. No shade. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, 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 you're exactly right. And I think that, you know, from a spiritual perspective, um, we have, um, and this goes back to the beginning of our forefathers, we have kind of spiritualized everything. And it, it's easy for us to um, put mental health trauma, people's problems in the category of that's a spirit mm -hmm. or that's a demon because that's what we have learned to do. When we talk about the church world, we have, uh, we have been taught to spiritualize 
every part of the human. So, you know, everything is a demonic spirit. Oh, right? The truth of the matter is, and, and for those of you that are listening, um, I, I really want you to understand, you are a triune being. Right? You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. When life happens to you, it doesn't happen to your spirit. It can affect your spirit, but life happens to your soul. Mm -hmm. So inside of your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And I think some of the myths surrounded in the church is that, again, we have put the spirit, the soul, and the body all in one. While they, while all of them are present and connected, they're also separate. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And therefore, anxiety ain't no, no spirit. I'm, I, right. I'm, you know, right. I have to contain myself because I'd be cussing sometimes. <laughs> I was getting ready to cuss. And y'all know I don't want to cuss with Dr. Bell on the show, y'all. <laughs> and, you know, another myth is that, right? All mental health is caused by sin. Mm -hmm. So you had to have done something. Yeah. Right? So there's a story in the Bible of, um, of a blind person, right? And they were casting, saying, oh, well, he must have been blind because his mom did something. His dad did something. And Jesus said, no, he's blind because I need to get the glory out of his life. Mm. right and so i think that it's easy for us to um when something happens to us to either place blame or to say you know this is spiritual you must have done something sinful for this to happen yeah i mean i think that most a lot of us church folks were in denial um about it um but yeah, thanks for clarifying that. I hope that that helps somebody out there, whatever, because there's some people who like, we're church hurt. And some people have told us, um, even in the struggle that I was having this year, I had a lot of people telling me, oh, girl, that ain't nothing but the devil. You know, you need to go pray. And I'm like, no, my head feels like it's going to explode. <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel like I'm in the, a real life matrix. Like, I don't know what's going on. And I don't think this is the devil. It's very weird. You know, and that's, and, and that's how I found you. So I just thank God that I was even, I don't even know how I ended up at that place to meet you. So I was just so happy <laughs> that. I'm so glad you, you, you by, by way of however. <laughs> yes, by way of however. I'm trying to think, how did I, somebody, I think I had told one of the sisters in the church what I was experiencing. And she was one of the only people that didn't look at me like I was crazy. Or she mm -hmm. might have. And that's why she sent me to your workshop. <laughs> So I was like, well, whatever, I'm going to try. And that's how I found you. But yeah, it's just really informative. And it seems so simple, but I think it has to be broken down all the time for people to know. This is not have to, has nothing to do with the spirit. Because I think sometimes even people who are going through uh, mental health issues might shy away from the church when in all actuality, it might help them. Um, but they shy away because of people saying stuff like, oh, it's a spirit. You got a spirit. Right. It's demonic. You know, and that's, that's just the sad part of it. Um, so one of, if I could say this, um, mm -hmm. just to that point, one of the worst things that we can do is to ignore how we feel 
and to mask what it is, whether it's through, you know, spirituality or whatever form of masking. Um, it's so damaging. Mm -hmm. uh, I tell people every single day, the best thing you can do for you is to be honest about how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. And be, and I, I say, be completely honest and say everything to yourself. Cause who else is going to hear it? <laughs> Nobody else is going to hear it. Um, so, uh, I know that you have the breaking free tour and that's about bridging the gap between mental health, um, and the church. So I just, uh, wanted to talk about how some of the ways you are bridging the gap, um, now. So again, um, I, I'm so grateful uh, to God and for the um, grace he has given me to um, kind of pioneer this bridging the gap between mental health and the church. Because again, it's so vital for people to understand um, who they are, both naturally and spiritually. And I, my husband and I, we take the Bridging the Gap tour around the world um, to those who are open to it. And the vision and the mission of the Breaking Free Tour, Bridging the Gap, is to have people look at life differently, mm -hmm. not just spiritually, right? To be able to better cope with um, traumas and hurts and pains and um, decision makings and just just things that happen to to us in life being able to handle it better um as opposed to shouting dancing mm -hmm. speaking in tongue falling out because my question is when that's all over how do you deal with life yeah and so the breaking free tour um we go um, to churches, helping people understand from a professional, educational, and spiritual perspective on how to be better, mm -hmm. even in the midst of hurt and, and in the midst of pain. And um, again, um, just the cares of life, how to deal with that. And it has been such um, the testimonies that have come have just been amazing. The eye-opening, um, I do lots of demonstrations in terms of people um, understanding the triune being, understanding what goes on in your frontal lobe, in your limbic system. Um, and the testimonies that have come in have been phenomenal. Of uh, People breaking free. Yes. That have um, held them for years. Yeah. Yeah, because it definitely, uh, it broke down. So it broke down walls that, like you said, like I've had up for, for many years and it, and it helped me to see myself in a different light and not as this um, evil, demonic, sinful girl. And this is the reason why I'm like this is because of sin. <laughs> so it was, it definitely helped me um, in that perspective because um, as a PK growing up in the church, that's all we dealt with was guilt, 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 guilt. And um, the Breaking Free Tour definitely helped me with that. Um, where are you guys going next? 
So we are going to be in, uh, give me a minute. I got to think. <laughs> <laughs> you need an assistant, girl. I do. <laughs> I, I took my husband. He's wonderful. I need, I need extra help. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. We are going to, we just left White Plains last weekend uh, with uh Bishop and Lady Thorpe, and our next tour, we are going to be in Newburgh. Oh, okay. Well, that's close for the New Yorkers. Newburgh, New York, yes, on November 17th. Okay. And I will um, put all of uh, Dr. Mel's information, guys, in the description box um, for you guys. Um, and um, and if anybody wants to try to follow you on Instagram or uh, Facebook, how can they do that? So um, on both Instagram and Facebook, they can just look up my name, um, Melanie, M-E-L-A-N-I-E, Styles, S-T-Y-L-E-S. Um, and I'm sure I'll pop up. Okay, great. And I know some of my friends have been trying to harass you, trying to get therapy from you. But then I was like, I don't know. Y'all can't be harassing her and then she can't help me. So listen, y'all. I mean, if y'all reach out to her, just know I have a slot already. <laughs> Absolutely, you do. <laughs> I have a slot. Um, and uh, okay, so I have all your information. I'm going to be putting that in the description box for everybody. Um, do you want to leave us with some words of encouragement? Um, even for the people who might not necessarily be um, in the church um, and deal, deal with uh, mental health from a spiritual perspective. Absolutely. My, my first encouragement is my, my motto. Every step out of the past is a step into your future. Um, and I believe that um, you're here on purpose. You're here with purpose and you're here for purpose. And if you would grab hold to um, purpose in life, um, the first purpose is for you to identify that you are wonderfully made, uh, you are beautiful, and um, the history of your hurt, the history of your pain does not have to define you. Mm -hmm. If you could grab hold to that, um, you're, you're, on, you're on the runway. You're on a good um, a good foot and um, believe in yourself. Believe that um, you can come out of what you're in. You can um, be on the road to healing and give yourself, my last point, give yourself permission to heal mm -hmm. because you can. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. I hope you'll come back again and chit chat with us. Um, and that concludes our interview. Well, thank you so much. And I really appreciate the invitation and anytime. Thank you. Bye, Dr. Mel. So, you know, I always leave you guys with affirmations. And since we've talked about grief, loss, and pain, I figured we'd do some affirmations that would help us to heal our hearts um, and move through the grief um, and try to live our best lives as best we can through the grief and the loss and the pain. <laughs> so um, one is I allow myself to feel this fully to be here. 
I allow myself to feel this fully to be here. I'll never be the same person again, yet that is okay. I'll never be the same person again, yet that is okay. I choose to heal my hurt spirit. I choose to heal my hurt spirit. I can still see the love in the world. I can still see the love in the world. I'm moving through grief and on to other emotions. I'm moving through grief and on to other emotions. I can accept help when it's offered. I can accept help when it's offered. Today, I choose to heal. Today, I choose to heal. I am focused on my blessings, goals, and memories. I am focused on my blessings, goals, and memories. I hope you guys can take those affirmations and repeat them to yourself as much as you can. Um, And I hope they make you feel better. And if you are suffering with any grief and loss, I hope that this um, interview has opened your eyes to maybe possibly um, reaching out and talking to someone and learning how to get through this grief the best way you can so that you can actually wake up with a smile on your face and actually feel the smile that you're having on your face. Um, So I hope you guys enjoyed and uh, I'll talk to you guys next week. I ain't going to hold y'all and I ain't going to let y'all hold me. Bye.